0: You are listening to Agent Court Church's Audio Podcast. For more information on Agent Court Church, including service times, how to connect, and campus locations, please visit our website at onechurch.to. Hi. After visiting with you at the end of this service in the lobbies or wherever we meet, I'm gonna go home, hopefully have some spaghetti. And uh i get options. I can... uh, I I live across from Fairview Mall, so I can go right here at Finch, down Finch, down Don Mills, there I am. I can go down to Shepherd and across. I can go to the 400 and then to the 404, loop around and come around. I can go down Huntingwood, I can go... i got all kinds of different ways to go home. It sort of doesn't matter what route I take, they'll all lead me to the same. Same place, same destination, home. Now, that's a very popular current view when it comes to all of the religions of the world. They're all different religions, it doesn't matter which religion you follow, they're all going to lead to the same destination. They'll all lead to God, they'll all lead into the afterlife. So, why in the world do people who have one religion say to people of another religion, we're right, you're wrong? And how can you say Jesus Christ is the only way to God? The only way to the afterlife? How can we say that? Now, it needs to be said, it'll become clear as we go along, it's not just Christianity that says this is the way to get to God. All religions make exclusive claims. As a matter of fact, that's what people get upset about. First of all, is the exclusivity of a religion, to say, this is the way to God. And so e- exclusivity uh, can get people looking down on others. You know, we've got the truth, you don't. And so we look at others, we stereotype others. Ah, oh, Christians are hypocrites, Muslims are terrorists. We say things that are just stereotypical, generalists. Exclusivity leads to superiority. That, that, that is so true. It can so easily lead to that kind of superiority. Now, when exclusivity leads to superiority, it's just one step, a major one, but it's a step over. Superiority can lead to persecution. Last Monday, Esther and I saw a movie in the theater, The Apostle Paul would recommend it. And it shows his early life where he was so much into his religion that he persecuted Christians. Because he felt he belonged to the most conservative, the most, you know, uh, God-fearing sect Phariseeism that was within Judaism of the time, and so he he felt he was superior, so he could persecute. And superiority leads to persecution. It happens. I I, I was having lunch with one of my Jewish friends. And uh, he has known me for a while, and he unburdened his heart that he was being cut off from his own grandchildren because they, his children, had chosen to go with a sect of Judaism that was so orthodox, so strict, that it sort of cut you off from relationships uh, with people that were not part of that group. How many know that uh, superiority leads to that kind of a thing? I've met Muslims who uh, come to understand who Jesus is, but when they realize that following Jesus will mean that they're going to be cut off from their families, they'll be disowned, they'll be persecuted. And then, of course, there's been those in church church history who have made Christianity into a religion and claimed it was the superior religion. And, you know, there's been those unfortunate moments in church history, you know, the Crusades, the Inquisitions, that people are quick to bring up, you know, and then in Canada, we have our own um, embarrassing moment of uh, denominational schools imposing beliefs, but taking uh, aboriginal children out of their environment, we have that, just, we're superior, we know what is best for you, you you have... uh, Muslims uh, who, in the name of Allah, are doing some of the worst acts of terrorism and murder in our world today. You have the Buddhists in Myanmar. And, And that's the issue that people look at when they see all of this. They say, look at the problem that religion is causing in our world today. Is it not true that most wars and violence and terrorism have to do with religion? Religious superiority that leads to persecution. And the historical evidence is clear. We've just given a few brief examples. Religions too often, tragically, decline from exclusivity to superiority to persecution. And so let's get back. Why be exclusive then? Why not be inclusive? Inclusivity is a popular concept today. It says all religions are equally valid. Some go further and say, let's just take the best of all the different world religions, and then we have the best of them. It's syncretism. And it's the view of some greatly admired people, past and present, past like Gandhi, who, uh, who said, my position is that all great religions are fundamentally equal. More present, Oprah Winfrey. One of the biggest mistakes, she says, humans make is to believe that there's only one way. Actually, there are many diverse paths leading to God. Now I've listed for you a number of books and resources, I think a website that will just help you get further research on what we are uh, talking about this week and next week when we talk about if there's a loving God, why suffering? And then the next week if there's uh, a loving God, how can people go to hell? We'll be talking about these go ahead and ask questions. But at the, uh, in one of those books written by a Canadian, the book that's called The Problem With God, I came across a story about a movie, a comedy movie I never heard of it. It's called uh, Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby. Okay, so some of you have heard of that. All right. Anyway, in the movie, Ricky is a professional race car driver whose car crashes during a race. He thinks he's on fire. He runs around the track in his underwear crying out, help me, Jesus. Help me, Jewish God. Help me, Allah. Help me, Tom Cruise. Use your witchcraft to get the fire out. Help me, Oprah Winfrey. (laughs) That's inclusivity, right? And I mean, religions do have a lot in common. Let's look at four uh, characteristics that they have in common. The first one would be this. They reveal the human longing for spiritual connection. God, if you're out there, I know there's got to be more purpose and meaning and how did this come about anyway? And they reach out for God. All religions have that in common. I tried to find the most up-to-date statistics for you, and I, this is the best I could do. 84% of the world's population today identify with a religion or some form of spirituality. 84%. Only 16% identify as secular, humanist, atheist, or non-religious. Which, you know, we could just digress here. And how many of you can make a case that if you say there is no God, that's a belief system? It's a belief system. You're making a statement about God, and you're saying, I don't believe in him. And I think it, personally, and others think it takes more faith to believe there is no God than to believe there is a God because there's more evidence that there is a God than that there isn't, and that's why. But there's just that awareness within the human being made in the image of God to reach out and try and make contact with, with whoever is out there, that higher power. And that's, so religions have that in common. What else do religions have in common? Well, um, they have rules for a better, a moral life. You know, every religion, and I've studied religions in university, they they all have some sort of a do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You know, the karma thing, uh, you know, what you do good because it's going to come back to you. I remember when I pastored in Ottawa, we had people work for the government and went to work in a very uh, Muslim country, and they were surrounded by Muslim neighbors, And they said they were the most welcoming and loving and kind and helpful neighbors that we have ever had. And so all uh, religions can help people just be a better person, treat other people better. Another thing that all religions have in common is they have traditions. Hindus, Buddhists, Sikhs, they all celebrate the Festival of Lights. Islam has Ramadan. Judaism celebrates Passover and Hanukkah. Christianity celebrates Christmas and Easter. And those special traditions, now think about it, they get embedded. If you were brought up in that religious background, it's part of your culture. It's just some of your happiest times of celebration happen around these events. And so it's quite something for someone when they say, well, I'm, I'm going to be part of this faith group. And leave that one because the family feels you're disowning them. You're rejecting your your heritage. It's just so much. It's the way they've been connecting in community. And it's so harsh. I have a friend who pastors in Jerusalem. And he, he hears from Jewish people regularly who see that Jesus indeed is the Messiah. He fulfills the old covenant scriptures with his new covenant. They see it. They believe it. They know it. But then there's another barrier for them to get through, and some of them, they just don't outwardly follow Jesus because they, uh, they're, they're gonna be rejected by the family. Someone's gonna tell them, you're no longer our daughter, you're no longer our son. I personally know of people in this church family from Muslim families that, uh, and these people are following Christ and they have to sneak out to the services. Maybe they're here this morning. Some of them come Saturday night because people don't think they're going to church on Saturday night. <laughs> Maybe some are watching me on podcast right now. What we're hearing already is that even though religions have all of this in common, they still have this tendency to superiority. There's that allegiance, sometimes a heritage a family connect, a cultural, a community connection. So there's this tendency to, to, to be, I'm part of this group and I alienate the other groups. Why? Because the reality is that every religion has foundational differences. They have fundamental differences. Let's look at three examples, all right? We're going to look at how every religion is different when it comes to its founders, the afterlife, and then the view of Jesus, all right? One at a time. Let's first of all look at how... Every religion has fundamental differences when it comes to their founders, how they got started. Hinduism has no single founder, but has many, many gods. You know, there's Brahma, there's Vishnu, there's Shiva, 30 gods, like there's just lots of gods. Interesting, Buddhism, the founder was Buddha, he broke away from Hinduism. Do you see that? This is the right way. He broke away. Uh, Sikhism, a lot of people don't know this, Sikhism actually broke away from both Hinduism and Buddhism because this is the way spiritually forward. Judaism, you know, the one and only God called Abraham and promised to raise up a nation through him that the Messiah would come through and all nations of the world would be blessed. Christianity recognizes that Messiah as Jesus Christ, the Son of God who came from heaven, lived a perfect life, and gave that life for us on the cross. Islam came along in the 600s. Muhammad is the founder. He claimed to be Allah's prophet. A personal life, he had 13 wives. He received revelations from the angel Gabriel until he died of an illness in 632 AD. Do you see how different the founders are? You can't just say, well, they're all the same. It's just so different. Not only that, but the afterlife and how you get there. This is another example of fundamental differences. The afterlife. How you get there. Hinduism. What you do in this life determines how you are reincarnated into the next life. Now watch this, because I found this fascinating when I studied this in university. You keep coming back into the material realm. Did you know that? You never get beyond the material realm. You come back in a higher or lower form, or caste, as the case may be. Buddhism, when you fully release your attachment to desire, you reach a state of nirvana. And again, it's interesting to know, nirvana is not a place. Did you know that? It's a state. It's a state, a state of non-existence. You, you don't feel anything, you don't think anything, you're just at peace, you're one with the universe. Islam, you, you don't know if you get to paradise, it's all up to Allah. You increase your likelihood of getting to paradise through religious dedication. I've studied, you know, the five pillars of Islam the uh, six major doctrines of Islam. But the only way that you know you get to paradise for sure is to die fighting in the Jihad. The martyr's reward for men is sexual pleasure, women, non-specified. Now, you you say, that's, yeah, but that's, you're you're picking up on just sort of one of those uh, popular beliefs. No, no, I checked it out. There are six references in the Quran that spell this out. In Christianity, Watch this. Absent from this body, the material realm, absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You're in a place where there's no sin, no suffering, no sickness, no separation. You're in the presence of the Lord. You're in a place that is a new heaven and a new earth with the Lord for all of eternity. So the huge differences in the concept of the afterlife. And then we haven't even got to the biggest difference, and that is the view of Jesus. Buddhism teaches that Jesus was not God, but that he was an enlightened man like Buddha. So he's right up there, but not the son of God. Hinduism teaches that Jesus is an incarnation of God like Krishna. Islam teaches that Jesus was a man and a prophet, but Muhammad is higher in authority than Jesus. Jesus was born of a virgin, interesting, in Islam, but he did not come from heaven. And I quote from the Quran now, Jesus did not die, nor was he crucified. Okay, very, very clear about about the view of Jesus. Now, you say, you're dealing with all the major religions. What about some of the other groups that are popular in Western culture? Well, let's look at examples of a couple of them. New Age, the New Age guru, Deepak Chopra, says that Jesus is a state of consciousness that we can all aspire to. Scientology, that religion made popular by Tom Cruise, John Travolta, and some others, some celebrities, and of course, if celebrities believe it, it has to be true. they teach that jesus now now hear me they teach that jesus was an implant forced on thetan about a million years ago all i want to say is like where is the where do you come up with this stuff where is the evidence for that So there are these significant, fundamental differences. Now, so revisiting our opening illustration about religions as just being different routes to the same destination. Watch this. Not only are the routes different, how many understand the destination also is very different? Very different. Each religion makes exclusive claims. We're not talking about just the non-essential differences, just different ways of doing religion. We're talking about the core beliefs are very, very different. So if Hinduism and Buddhism are true about lots of gods, then Judaism, Islam, and Christianity cannot be true about there only being one God. If Hinduism is true about the afterlife, then Islam and Christianity cannot be True in what they say about the afterlife. If Islam is right about Jesus, if Jesus did not die nor was he crucified, then our own primary document from our own primary writer of the New Testament says himself that if Christ did not die, if Christ was not raised from the dead, then our faith is worthless. We're still in our sins. We still have, we still, all we have is a religion. A way to live this life, but we have no hope of there ever being an afterlife. You know, I am so thankful for in the home that I was brought up in. My parents, um, one is a te- uh, late teens, and the other brought up in a Christian home. But they both became devoted followers of Jesus Christ, and we ha- they had five children in the family, plus those that we you know stayed with us for a while. And uh, so there were a lot of kids and, and they, they made it clear they loved Jesus with all their hearts and they brought us to Sunday School Church so we could hear about Jesus. But they made it very clear that we had to make our own decision about Jesus Christ. That it wasn't about just because we were brought up in a Christian home, that made us Christians. No, we had to make our own decision. And they told us they would pray for us our entire lives as long as they lived that we would come to know the wonderful grace of Jesus that they had come to know, but that even if we never followed Jesus, they would still love us. They would love us whether we followed Jesus Christ or not. And I thank God for that kind of heritage. And I remember checking out, having grown up in a Christian background, checking out different religions and, and understanding, when I uh, majored in religious studies in university, understanding so, the uniqueness of Jesus. And then all religions are not the same. And then you can read what someone who saw the perfect life of Jesus, saw him die on Calvary's cross. He was there with his mother. Remember, Jesus said from the cross, John, take care of my mom. Remember, John was there. And John, of course, saw Jesus risen from the dead. Years later, he writes to followers of Jesus. And he says this, dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but... Test the spirits. Check them out. Check out religions. Check them out. Test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. Now, he gets down to how we can know what is totally different from all these other spirits and religions and Jesus. And he says, This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice person. See, here's religion reaching out to God, reaching out to God. But God loves us and comes from heaven to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. So let's look at the three uniquenesses. I think this would be good for you to have in your notes. If you ever get in a discussion, three uniquenesses about Jesus that I I think are very, very important. There's where he came from, what he did for us, and where he's taking us. Okay? Let's look at them one at a time. First of all, where he came from. I was thinking about it early this morning when I should have been sleeping. (laughs) centuries before Jesus came to be born in Bethlehem he inspired prophets to write down exactly where he'd be born he was born in Bethlehem it was told about by the prophets, what kind of life that he would live, he would be a pure, spotless Lamb of God, you know, he'd just live the perfect life, and that he would give that life for us, Isaiah 53, remember, wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, and God puts all of our sin upon him, it was the Lord's will to do that, he paid the price for us, and so you see all of this already written down centuries before Jesus was born in Bethlehem or went to the cross on Calvary. And there it is. How can you do that? And that's, of course, your God. And then when Jesus shows up on the planet and goes public about his identity, he makes no secret where he came from. Remember, he says, when he prays his father, glorify me with the glory I had with you before the world began. That's a long time ago. And, and when people got into a conversation about his age, and then they talked about Abraham. He said, well, i got to tell you something about Abraham. Before Abraham was, I was. And they say, you don't look a day over 30. What are you talking about? Before Abraham was, I already existed. Watch this. He'd say things like this. I and the Father are one. He who has seen me has seen. You want to know what God is really like? Take a good look at me, because you'll see what God's love, his character, how much he wants you with him forever. Take a good look at me, and you'll see what God is really like. And Jesus was arrested and crucified, and Pastor Jonathan did a great job of helping us understand last Easter weekend that Jesus was crucified because of blasphemy. He was considered blasphemy because he said that he was the Son of God. He was the Messiah. Now watch this. All other religions are founded by humans who said they would show us different ways to get to God. Jesus said, I'm God who has come to find you. We sang in that song. Remember, if you didn't know the story behind he leaves the 99, that's because he leaves the 99, he's a good shepherd, leaves the 99 sheep to find the lost one. Isn't it wonderful? He knows where every one of us in this room are at spiritually and he reaches out because he wants you forgiven and he wants to do heaven with you forever. Oh, that's wonderful. All right, so first of all, there's this uniqueness. There's where he came from. Secondly, there's what he did for us. What he did for us. Jesus did not come to start a new religion. He came to do for us what religion could never do for us because what did we see? Religion is reaching out to make a connection with God. (laughs) A relationship with Jesus happens when you say yes to the Jesus who has left heaven to come and find you totally different. Uh, Dr. John Montgomery, you won't find him in the list of resources, but I've admired him for years. He had a doctorate in law, theology, and he he writes about people who left religion and came to follow Jesus totally on the basis of the evidence of the resurrection that Jesus was raised from the dead. They could come to no other explanation that it really happened. Anyway, he writes... One can engage in historical investigation and discover that the Christian claims are based solidly in empirical observational fact, and they lead in one direction, Jesus, not a Jewish boy scout helping little old ladies across the Sea of Galilee but a person who claimed to be no less than God Almighty come to earth to die for the sins of the world, and he rose again from the dead to demonstrate the truth of those affirmations. So where are you gonna find this in religion? It's so different where he came from, what he did for us, and then where he takes us. Where he takes us. Remember, he, The Apostle John is the one that wrote it down, that Jesus was having a conversation where he made an exclusive claim that we'll come to later. But Jesus said, I'm going to the Father, I'm returning to the Father. I'm going to prepare a place for you, but I will come again and receive you, take you to be with me where I am. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. You know, see, so I have a question. Not only what did religion do for you, compared to what did Jesus do for you, but who's coming back for you other than Jesus? See, there are uniquenesses to Jesus. He left heaven for us, he died and rose for us, he's coming back for us. No religion has a founder or a belief that says that it's going to do that for for human beings. See, these truths are exclusive. He's the only one that did all of that for us, and it's a good thing he did. How many know we'd still be stuck with religion? trying to find God if he hadn't come and shown us what God was really like and did what it take to bring us to be with him. And all religions are exclusive. But So the question is, getting back to where we started today, is there a way to be exclusive without being superior? Without saying, I believe in Jesus and my religion is better than your religion. Do you think there's an answer to that? How many know what the one word answer is? It's the word grace. Grace, grace, it changes everything. Grace is the way to be exclusive without being superior and you'll never get to persecution. See, religions are based on how I perform, how well I do. How, how many religious rules did I follow? Did I follow them good enough? Did I meditate enough to get detached enough? Did I follow the pillars? Did I go to church or mosque or the temple enough? Did I do good enough to earn heaven? And Jesus comes and says the opposite. He said, I came to do the good enough for you. I came to give you my good enough. I, I lay down my life for you because I love you. I want you with me forever. I don't know anybody other than the Apostle Remember the Apostle Paul I said that movie in the theaters about? He starts out in a superior religion, but when he meets Jesus, you can't find anybody that talks about grace any more than the Apostle Paul. And I think he summarizes it best when he writes to a church in Ephesus, Turkey, and he says this, and I'm going to leave a blank for when I want you to just to highlight a, a few words. For it is by... You have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by so that no one can. <laughs> if it's a gift, how can I boast? If it's something that was given to me, what did we sing this morning? I didn't earn it, didn't deserve it. How many want to hear me keep singing? Anyway, <laughs> I take that as a laugh of mockery. Uh, <laughs> I just still you gave yourself away. It's a gift. When I receive a gift, what can I say? Just, but I don't deserve this. I didn't earn it. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And when you open up this gift, do you know what's inside of it? This gift of grace is the forgiveness of sins in your past and heaven for your future. That's quite a gift. I didn't earn it. Don't deserve it. But I can say thank you. And I can live for the one who wants me to live with him forever. I can be devoted to him. But it's a gift. It's grace. God's grace is for those who admit that they're not good enough. God, I'm not religious enough. I'm not good enough. And he says, that's why I came. That's what grace is, and that's what I give you. In our condo, I meet on the elevator and in conversations in the lobby and hallways, I I try and let my light shine in this condensed area of anyway, I I I meet people all the sometimes you can tell by the way they're dressed, what religious background they're from, but you get talking to some, oh yeah, we have this religion and right away there's just they find out you're a pastor and they you know they religion, religion, and so I I and I'm sure that I have noticed in our condo people that are way more religious than Keith Smith is. I think there are those that pray more than I do. Certain times a day Facing a certain way many times. I'm sure there are those that pray more than I do. I think there are those that go to religious services at a mosque or synagogue or temple more than I do. Although I doubt it when I work at a church. But anyway, you know what I'm saying. I think they follow the rules more than I do. I think some of their wives are dressed more religiously than mine does. I think maybe some of them may even give more than the tithes and the offerings that I give. So what do I do as a follower of Christ? Do I have to out-religion them and my religion's better because I do more? I'm more dedicated? I'm more devoted? I do more good works? I'm more religious than you? No, no, no. I'm a Christian not because of my moral superiority. I'm a Christian because of God's grace. It's a gift that was given to me. All I've been forgiven of in the past, all I'll have in heaven in the future, didn't do it there, earn it, or deserve it. Jesus, thank you for your grace. I owe it all to you. You paid it all. You paid it all. How can I be self-righteous if the righteousness I have is a gift from Jesus? And so when I witness, I'm not saying, I'm superior. You know, I oh, you got your well, that's I'm superior. I'm a Christian, and here's, the, here's why it's superior to her. No, 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 no. No, I'm inviting people to do what I need to do just as much as they do. Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. The world has all kinds of religions. How many know it only has one Savior? Look at Jesus. And so when I'm witnessing, I'm not debating or arguing the fine points of one religion to another religion. No, no. When I, when, I, when I witness, what I'm doing is I'm lifting up Jesus. I'm telling the story of what he has done in my life, how he's changed me, how I came to believe who he is. I'm telling my story of a transformed life what I have because of Jesus. My favorite street slang definition for witnessing is this, one beggar telling another beggar where they found bread. I'm just another beggar telling another beggar where I found the bread of life, his name is Jesus. That's witnessing. So in that conversation where Jesus says, I'm going to heaven and I can get you there. You you know where I'm going. And you'll be there with me someday. Thomas says, how can we know the way? And Jesus says, I'll tell you, I'm really going to do whatever it takes to get you there. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is not saying, you believe any other religion, you're dead. He's saying no other religion will do it. No, not even a religion called Christianity will do it. If it's just rules and regulations, it's not trusting Jesus as your Savior. No, Jesus is saying, I've got something that is for everyone. I'm not you searching for God, I'm God coming to you, and I'm gonna do whatever it takes to forgive you and see you go to heaven. How many of you know religion, not even the best of different religions can do that for us, only Jesus. And he says, that's why I'm here, I do it for all people, for Protestants and Catholics, Buddhists and Baptists, Hindus or atheists, agnostics or animists, Muslims and Pentecostals. So I do that. What Jesus does, he does for all of us. He exclusively is the inclusive savior. So two closing challenges. One is for people who are here and you're not following Jesus. The other challenge is for people who are here and you're a follower of Jesus. All right, first challenge. If you're not following Jesus, check out what your beliefs are based on. Like I did as a young adult in university. Check out what your beliefs are based on and look at where they're taking you. And then check out the same for Jesus. I, I trust I gave you enough that you can sort of see where this goes. But check it out for yourself. Check it out for yourself. C.S. Lewis said that when, you, when it comes to Jesus, you've got to make a decision. You've got four options. He said, Jesus was a liar? And if you're going to say he's a liar, how are you going to back that up? What evidence is there that he was a liar? No one really says that. A lunatic? He was a madman claiming to be God? No, there's no way. You look how realistic and real he was. That one doesn't hold up. Liar, lunatic, legend that he never really existed. No one believes that. Liar, lunatic, legend, or he says you have to come to the conclusion that he's exactly who he said he was, Lord. Liar, lunatic, legend, or Lord. Now, I encourage you. Matter of fact, I'll be praying for you this week because... A lot of this is not just about having logical information and historical evidence. A lot of it has to do with the Holy Spirit that Jesus said he would send to help humans determine what was true and what was right. The spirit that really is from God. Do you see that? So I'm going to be praying. You may be here and you may just be sensing, you know what? There's something right about this. There's just something right about Jesus. It's clean, it's clear, it makes sense. It's right, it's not a religion, it's Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit that makes that real to you. I want to also say this, if you're not a follower of Jesus and you've had some Christians that have talked to you about Jesus and you need to get a better religion and have talked down to you, if you had any Christians that have talked to you about faith in Jesus and they've acted superior, can I say, sorry. They need lots of grace. (laughs) Lots of grace. But see past them. Don't let them be a barrier. Keep finding out who Jesus Christ really is. Find out. Check him out. Discover what he, how much he loves you and what he has done for you. Check it out historically, archaeologically. Check it out In so many different ways, we've got some resources that are for you. One of the best ways to check out Jesus is read the Gospel of John. I've quoted from it a lot today. Just read. You'll hear how in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among He came from... You'll start there. You'll understand some of the story now. And you'll go right to where he died on the cross and rose from the dead for you. It's a beautiful story. Gospel of John. I'm going to be praying for you this week and during this series. Keep joining us for this series. All right, a challenge for people in this room who are already followers of Jesus, and it is this. Become more like Jesus. How many could become more like Jesus when it comes to witnessing? Don't put up your hand. (laughs) Become more like Jesus. Tell others about his grace and tell your home with him. Live your life to do that. So people, when they get to know you and hear your story about Jesus, they would hear about God gave you something you didn't deserve. It's not that you've got a superior religion. You have Jesus in your life. How many know Jesus loves people who don't believe what he believes? He died for people that opposed him. Forgave those who persecuted. Let's be more and more like Jesus. Right on? Let's be more and more like Jesus. The people you see on the subway this week or buses or... Cut you off on the Don Valley. Anyway, you see people at work, you see people in your neighborhood and you see them and they're obviously religious really just, just 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 remember, you know, but for the grace of God in my life, that could be me, right? There needs to be something about it. How many understand whatever we have is because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just because we get more knowledge about him does not make us superior. That's why Paul and Peter, and I'll pray over you for this in in the closing benediction. They, They pray that you would grow not just in the knowledge of Jesus, but grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. We get into problems when we get knowledge that makes us feel superior, and it gets ahead of, God, what I have is all because of your grace. I want to grow in your grace, live every day by your grace. Listen, you can take atheistic secularism, if this is you in the room today, you can take that atheistic secularism into the center of your life and you will feel superior to all those ignorant religious people out there, all 84% of them. You can take religion into the center of your life and you'll be superior, you'll feel superior to everyone else that's from another religion. But when you take the grace of Jesus Christ into the center of your life, you can't, be, you can't feel superior to anybody. Because what you have is something he paid for, something he gave to you as a gift. And when you take the grace of Jesus into the center of your life, you'll love other people the way that he loves you. And you'll tell atheists and religionists about the most inclusive good news ever. That what Jesus did for you, he did for them as well. And you'll invite them to check it out. Well, does that help this morning? Let's pray about this. I want to pray, first of all, for people in this room who are saying, Pastor Keith, I understand the difference between religion and what Jesus did. And I've reached out for this God and I want to know the truth and and I realize that Jesus is reaching out to me today and I sense just that it's right. And if you pray with me, Pastor Keith, I'm going to say yes to the forgiveness and the new life that Jesus died and rose to bring me. So I invite you, just let's just bow our heads across this place. And how many are here, and you're ready to receive this gift of forgiveness and new life in Jesus? And you say, Pastor Keith, if you'll pray with me, I'll whisper the prayer one line at a time right after you. Because in this room today, I'm changing directions. I'm saying, I need the forgiveness of Jesus, and I'm trusting Jesus to be the Savior of my life. How many, first of all, downstairs, you just lift up your hand and put it back down again. Yes, at the front here. Yes, over the side. How many others? Yes, over here, yes, both of you, bless you. A couple together, bless you. What a beautiful new start. How many upstairs? Just raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray with me. Yes, bless you, sir. How many others? I may have missed you, may have missed you. I know there was at least a half a dozen in the first service this morning. I don't know how many in this service, but Jesus knows you and he loves you and he gave his life for you. And a miracle is going to happen in your life today as you say yes to Jesus. I invite you to pray this prayer after me. I'll give you time after I pray one line of it just to whisper the prayer from your heart to Jesus after me. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for all you've done for me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I ask you to forgive all my sins. Thank you for rising from the dead for me. Today I rise in the new life that you have for me. I want to follow you from this day forward right into heaven when I die. I'm going to need your grace and help. Help me up when I stumble and fall and get me back on the road of your grace. And thank you that you came into my life today. If you prayed that prayer with me, just just say in Jesus' name, amen. Make sure you don't miss a message by subscribing to this podcast. All creative content and production for this podcast is provided by the One Church Creative Team.